Open your Bibles with me to John chapter 17. I haven't preached in about three weeks, so I hope you all packed a lunch. It might be a while. A lot to say. Well, hopefully it won't be like that, but I, I think that uh, this passage, and I've told you this over and over again throughout the many years, this is one of my favorite passages in the Bible, this John 17. The reason it's so special is it's, it's a glimpse into the holiest of all. It's a conversation between Jesus and His Father about us. And what, what an amazing thing, what a gift God has given us. And there are all kinds of aspects to this that we're going to be looking at. Today I want us to look at some things that Jesus Christ said that He did. And let's have a word of prayer and we'll, we'll dive in. Lord, thank You so much for Grace Baptist Church. And Lord, it, this is a special place. Lord, I'm thankful for the people that You have brought here and the opportunity You've given me to uh, preach Your Word. Lord, I pray most of all that You receive glory by what's done here and that... Um, that we, we hear from you today. And I know that there are people here that need to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you have seen the bracelet or the bumper sticker, What Would Jesus Do? How many of you have seen that? And that goes back to a book, uh, I think the man's name was Sheldon, um, that, that, where, that the whole purpose of it was imagine a community living answering the question, what would Jesus do? It's called In His Steps. Well, now I've told you this before. What is the question that we should ask? What did Jesus do when He was here on earth doing things? That'd be a long bracelet, wouldn't it? But that's... That, we have that in this text. If you, How many of you would like to do what Jesus did? I mean, if you're going to... The Bible says, you say you believe in Him, then walk even as He walked. That's... Sometimes that's hard to do because I can't walk out of water. I, you know, I can't heal the sick. I can't raise the dead. I can't create the world. So obviously those are not the things that God expects me to do that Jesus did. Is that fair? So what does He want us to do? We have that here in John chapter 17. There are nine statements that Jesus Christ made about things that He had done. And so we're going to go through these. I don't know how many of you will get through today. But uh, So don't get nervous when you see that it's taken a little while to get through this many, and there are nine. Don't worry, we'll get through them eventually. Um, let's start reading in verse 1 to set it up, and then in verse 4 we have the first of these I have statements. These words spake Jesus and lifted up His eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Now if you remember, all through the Gospel of John, when John chapter 4 or John chapter 2, when uh, Mary wants him to turn the water to wine. He says, woman, what have I to do with thee? My hour has not yet come. Uh, over and over again, my hour has not yet come. Well, now the hour has come. What is the hour? It's, he's going to go and die on the cross for you and for me. All right? He says, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know Thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom Thou hast sent. I have, this is the first I have statement, I have glorified Thee on the earth. I have glorified Thee on the earth. So now we have something specific that Jesus Christ said that He did. Now John Phillips said, from the incarnation to the ascension, everything He did brought glory to the Father. That's good, isn't it? I wonder if that could be said on your tombstone. Not your pizza, 
put on your tombstone. From the time he was saved until the time he died, everything that he did brought glory to the Father. Wouldn't it be wonderful if that could be said? You know, it could be if you walk in the Spirit. Isn't that right? So what does it mean to bring glory to God? What does that mean? It means to make Him big. It means to make Him great. It means to make Him the center of everything that goes on. And how many of you think that maybe ought to be what we do in a church service? Isn't that right? We've often said this, that that you are not the audience. You're the participant. He's the audience. And our job is to bring glory to Him, make Him great, to give Him glory. And Jesus Christ did that. I have glorified Thee on the earth. That's what the Bible says in verse 4. Then the Bible says, I have finished the work which Thou gavest me to do. Um, Laura and I were watching something. I can't remember what it was. And the person made this statement. I thought it was just a great statement. The work's not done till it's all done. Isn't that a good job for the kids? Oh, it was mountain men. You ever see that show, Mountain Men? Some people up in Alaska just doing crazy stuff. And but anyway, they want to teach their daughter, the work's not done till it's all done. How many of you, your children, could stand to learn that lesson? The work's not done till it's all done. Do you know what that's called? That's called being a child. Do you know who corrects that? See if you can guess. The school. No, 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 no. Who, who corrects it? The parents. Uh, some people said I do. Some people said the parents. That, that's good. That's exactly right. The work's not done till it's all done. Jesus Christ was an obedient son. Is that what the Bible calls him? He was an obedient son. And he was the model son. And he brought glory to God by finishing the work. Finishing the work. So what is the work of the Lord? Those of you who have been through our discipleship training know the answer to this. This is really technical. Are you ready? The work of the Lord is the work that the Lord was doing when he was here on earth working. That's good, isn't it? That's the work of the Lord. You don't have to guess what it is. The Bible says he finished his work. Now go to John chapter 19. Technical question. Do we have any Bible scholars here today? Technical question. Those of you, y'all don't have my education. So you might not be able to answer this. But do your best. Okay? Do your best. Does John 17 come before or after John 19? Do you see the stuff you get here at Grace Baptist Church? You don't get this depth of understanding in other places. John 17 comes before John 19. How many of you accept that? And you say, Pastor, I believe you on this. So, Jerry, let's have an altar call. Come down. Let's all pray. Oh, God, I learned this. Okay, John 17 comes before John 19. Is that right? Jesus said, I have finished the work that thou gavest me to do. John 17. All right, look at John 19 and look at verse 30. When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. It's interesting. Jesus had finished something in John 17. And he finished something else 
in John 19. Now, remember what we're saying. Many people like to answer the question, what would Jesus do? And that's open to judgment, right? When we look at what did Jesus do, that's not open to judgment. It's, it's the record of Scripture. We, we have an authoritative statement about what He did. He had finished the work that Thou gavest me to do. Now, we've already said, I can't create the world. I can't walk on water. I can't heal the sick or raise the dead. I can't do any of those things. That's not what Jesus Christ is talking about in John chapter 17. I can't do what Jesus Christ did in John chapter 19. What had Jesus finished on the cross? He had finished paying for the sins of the world. I can't do that. You know what's amazing? I can't pay for my own sins. That's why hell is eternal. You have a punishment that will never be completed because you are incapable of making that payment in full for yourself, let alone for the whole world. The Bible says He tasted death for every man, and He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. That's what Jesus Christ did. That's what He had finished on the cross. I can't do that. How many of you are glad He did? Amen. I'm not your priest. I can't forgive your sin. I can't take your sin away. You're not even told to confess your sin to me. You're told, we're told to confess our faults one to another. And I have to do that often. Help me. I'm bad at remembering names. How many of you have noticed that I'm bad at remembering names? Right? Yes. I think I may have told you. I was on a date one time in college and went to introduce the girl I was with and couldn't remember her name. That relationship didn't last. That's a fault of mine. It's amazing. I can remember all these facts and whatever, but I can't remember people's names. It's a fault of mine. We confess those things. Why? So we know how to live with each other, right? So we can understand each other, so that we can pray for each other. And, and you know, you can, we can help each other in those areas. But you don't have to confess your sin to me. Bob told me he's a Michigan fan. You don't have to confess your sin to me. This is between you and God. Utah? (laughs) (laughs) I guess I deserved that a little bit. The reason that we don't confess our sins one to another is because we have a high priest. We have a high priest named Jesus Christ who's passed into the heavens. There's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. We have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. We can go to God directly with our sin. Why? Because it is finished. Jesus Christ paid the penalty and then He proved that He was God by rising from the dead. And now He sits at the right hand of the Father making intercession for the saints. Isn't that fantastic? I don't have to do that. Jesus did that. But what is this work that He finished? What is that? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Look at verse 58. 
Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the what? The work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You know, there's coming a day when Jesus Christ is going to return. And when He returns, every saved person is going to be taken out of this world. Isn't that awesome? All the sin, all the wickedness, we're going to, we're going to be removed from it. All the sorrow. Uh, Mark Rasmussen texted me this morning, Daniel Hopkins, um, the, the amazing piano that you hear being played uh, before and after the service sometimes. That's Daniel Hopkins. He is um, he's one of the greatest pianists in the world. He's won all kinds of competitions. Um, and he's a school teacher out at Lancaster Baptist School there. Uh, just the, the, he teaches sixth grade. Um, his dad was killed in a farm accident yesterday. It's a world of hurt, isn't it? I can't, I can't imagine that happening. Um, it's a world of hurt. One of these days, Jesus Christ is going to remove us from that hurt. He's going to return. Man, I'm looking forward to that. But man, there's a lot of people that need to be saved before then. Because those that aren't saved, they are going to be left behind, and they're going to go through a terrible time of tribulation, and then the only hope they have is punishment. It's tough. Then what's going to happen is there's going to be the judgment seat of Christ. And at the judgment seat of Christ, you and I are going to be judged for our work. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Look at verse uh, 9, 1 Corinthians 3, 9. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. What does that mean? God's building you up. Aren't you glad God's building you? How many of you are different than when you got saved? That's, That's God's building you up. According to the grace, look at verse 10, According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builded thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. What did you just read? You just read what the work of the Lord is. It's building people up. It's building people up. You build people up through the Word of God and through the New Testament church. All right? Then look at this. Verse 11. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So if you're building somebody on something other than the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're building them on the wrong thing. You see that? There's only one foundation of the church. It's Jesus Christ and the apostles. That's it. That's the foundation of the church. If you're building on anything other than that, that's the wrong foundation. There's only one foundation. Jude calls it the common faith, once delivered to the saints. All right? Then look at what it says. Verse 12, Now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's works shall be made manifest. Did I read that wrong? How many of you are not looking at your Bible so you don't know what I read? Look at what it says. Welcome back, Pastor Jim. All right, here we go. Every man's, what's it say? Work shall be made manifest. What work? It's how you are doing what Jesus Christ did. It's how you are building on His foundation, the work of the Lord. The work of the Lord. How many of you work with someone and what they do cannot be qualified as work. 
How many of you have been with somebody like that? Right? How many of you are bosses and you have people that work for you and their job cannot be described as work? I don't know what you're doing, but it's not work. How many of you know somebody that's like that? Well, what would Jesus say or what will Jesus say about your work at the judgment seat of Christ? Is there anyone here that's saved? You're saved? The Bible says we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. What does all mean? All. All means all. That's all that all means. Every one of us is going to stand before Jesus Christ and give an account for the work that we have done for the Lord. The work of the Lord. Then look at what it says. Verse 13. Every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. What is repetition in the Bible? It's God's volume control. Do we see any repetition in this passage? Let's start reading in verse 13 again. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Now it's interesting, that verse, verse 15, that's the verse that the Catholics use for purgatory. Does that have anything to do with your eternal salvation? No, no, you are saved, but so as by fire. Now, what, can I give you just kind of a modern understanding? You're swinging over hell on a banana peel. You made it, but not the most confident way. Okay? That's what that verse is saying. So you're going to stand before God at the judgment seat of Christ and give an account, give an answer for the work that you're, that you're doing for the Lord. The work of the Lord. And what is that? It's building people up on the foundation of the gospel. Amen? That's what it is. Building people up on the foundation of the gospel. So let me ask you, how are you doing? What, are you doing anything? When is the last time you took the word of God and showed someone how to be saved? When's the last time you took a saved person and took the word of God and taught that to a saved person? When's the last time you ministered to someone? I'm not talking about ladling soup. That's the social gospel. If somebody's hungry, what are we supposed to do? Feed them. That's not the work of the Lord. Lots of confusion in Christianity. That is not the work of the Lord. And by the time we're done with these I haves, we're going to go back and look at how the modern church has undermined every one of them. It's very interesting. We can just take these first two. I have glorified thee on the earth. Who gets the glory in most church services? The singer, the preacher. It's all about us. What are you gonna, we get these calls all the time. What do you have for my children at your church? The Bible. Do you know what I like to say when people ask me that? What are you going to do for the other children at our church? What are you going to do for the other people's children at the church? Well, I can't work in the nursery. I can't teach Sunday school. I can't help in a class. I can't disciple. I've done that. I've given my time. I've paid my... Have you ever heard somebody say that? Yeah. Oh. 
You're going to stand before God and you're going to answer that. Pastor Jim, didn't you need another week of vacation? (laughs) Jesus said, I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And in the context of John chapter 17, his men were ready. His men were ready. Do you know what I think is funny? Of Christians that say this. My church is nature. And I go out to the river. I go out to the lake. And I spend time with God. And I worship Him. Now, I'm glad that you do that. But how is the lake the called out assembly? Well, what that means is when I put the lure in there and I call that fish out and we assemble together and it's awesome. (laughs) That's not the New Testament church. Now, how many of you think that we ought to spend time in nature worshiping the God that created it? How many of you think we ought to do that? I do. Um, I was actually convicted a little bit about that while we were on our vacation looking at creation. I mentioned in Sunday school, we gather together in cities. It's real hard to see the God of creation in the city. We've got to get into nature to see that. And that's important. We need to do that. But that's not the work of the Lord. What is that? That's a time of refreshing. That's a time of meditation. That's a time of growth just between myself and the Word of God and the God of creation. That's important. But then I'm supposed to take that and invest it in someone else. That is the work of the Lord. What would Jesus do? Jesus would take the Word of God and give it to someone else. That's what Jesus would do. Pastor, how do you know that? Let's go back to John 17. Let's see what Jesus did. Oh, before we do that, okay, John 17, put your marker there. Rip out one of your maps or something. Put it right there. All right. Go to John chapter, go to Revelation chapter 20. Many of you knew I was going to do this, but some of you may not have seen this. Revelation chapter 20. Look at verse 11. And I saw a great white throne in him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which are written in the books according to their works. See that? And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. See, look, you can stand before God for your works or for your work. You're going to stand before God for one of them. Right? One of them. If you stand before God for your works, the Bible says, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but by His mercy He saved us. By the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost, Titus 3, 5. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's interesting. If you have a Bible translation, an English Bible translation, that is flippant with the words, some of this truth you will never see. We're going to see that in a second. It's very important that you get this. The, the, the consistency and accuracy of your English translation is the only thing, the only thing that will inform you about what God has for you. 
unless you're a Greek scholar. Do we have any Greek scholars in here? Any Hebrew scholars? Any Aramaic scholars? Do you have any of those? Then you better have a good English translation. Very important. Now, I know there's some people in this room don't think that's important. Let me just say this very clearly. You're just wrong. Okay? Now, let's get this. You're going to stand before God for your work if you're saved. How you have done the work of the Lord. If you're lost, you're going to stand before God for your works. And do you know what you get for your works? What are wages? It's what you earn for your work. Is that right? The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You're going to stand before God with your works or your work. But you're going to stand before God. Now, how many of you are glad that you don't have to stand before God with your works? How many of you are thankful for that? How many of you are a little convicted that you're going to stand before God for your work? And do you know what's going to happen? You know, how many of you have heard no tears in heaven? How many of you have heard that? Liar, liar, pants on fire. There are going to be tears. Then Jesus Christ is going to wash those tears away. Why are there tears? Because you're going to see the one who died for you. And the only thing you have to give to him are your rewards for your work. That's all that you have to give him. When you go to heaven, you're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and you're going to receive rewards or you're going to lose rewards, all based on your work for Him. Remember the old song? We need to get that. Pastor Nathan, where are you? Must I go in empty-handed? Let's get that and we need to sing it all together. Can you imagine? Must I go in empty-handed? Nothing to give the King. I remember a Christmas uh, when I was a kid. My dad was a church planter. And, you know, we were so poor we couldn't pay attention. It was, we didn't have anything, man. It was rough. And there were days there was no food in the house. And I remember a Christmas where my parents had wanted to give us gifts. They didn't have anything. And I remember I opened up this box, and there's a little piece of paper. This entitles you to one bike. I didn't have a bike, and they wanted me to get a bike. And so sometime that year, they were going to try to save up enough money to buy me a bike. Now, I thought it was cool because I'm going to get a bike. Right? How do you think my parents felt that Christmas? I know some of you have been there. Do you think that was a good feeling? No. Now imagine standing before your Savior. What did Paul say? I'm now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the righteous judge shall give me at that day. Not to me only, but to all them that love is appearing. Do you remember when dad gave you a job before he left? I want you to clean out the garage. Whatever it was. I want you to clean out the garage. And you go out and you're playing ball. You're doing everything. And all of a sudden, you know that dad comes home at 5. It gets to be about 4.45. You see what time it is and you realize dad's about to come. How many of you ever experienced that in some way? How many of you ever experienced that? Isn't that a great feeling? <laughs> and you go and you clean out the garage and you do the best you can in 15 minutes. Do you love His appearing? No. Do you know the only way you can love Jesus Christ's appearing? 
is if you finished your job. You finished your work. Have you finished the work that Jesus Christ has given you to do? How many of you would say, oh, Pastor Jim, I might have a little more to do. Are you going to wait until you only have 15 minutes left? What is life? It's but a vapor that appeareth for a little time and vanisheth away. We don't know how much time we have left. Now remember, you're not working for your salvation. Have, have we been clear on that? You're either going to stand before God for your work or your works. If you're counting on your works to take you to heaven, there's only one, one judgment on that, and that's you're going to go to hell. But if, you're, if you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone, now you've got a job to do. And what we're going to do here at Grace Baptist Church is we're going to help you do that. This fall, we are introducing an entire new program of ministry. And some of it is very much the same. Some of it is new. But there is a place for all of us. My job, according to Ephesians chapter 4, and he gave some, of, some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. I'm a pastor teacher. For what? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. What is that? Building up. You know what that's called? The work of the Lord. So what God gave my job is to help you do the work of the Lord. I'm not just supposed to tell you, do the work of the Lord. I'm supposed to show you how. I'm supposed to facilitate that. And we are doing everything we can to help you do that. Here's the question. Are you going to do it? A, a, a job's not done until it's all done. Is there anyone here that thinks that Grace Baptist Church is done with its work in the Miami Valley? Are we done? No. That's what we pay you for. I just had a conversation with a preacher, a young preacher, been a pastor of a church for a little less than two years. And that's exactly what the deacon said to him. One of the deacons had taken one of the church van, had taken the church van and it was low on oil and it wasn't clean. He came and was yelling at this young preacher that he hadn't checked the oil. Just yelling at this young preacher. And I told him, he said, and he's asking me, what do I do with this? I'd say, let's just call the guy Bill. Brother Bill, I'm so glad you care about that. That's your job now. You are in charge of the church van. And they had to have a church meeting to take the Bible and learn what the roles are in ministry in the church. You know there's a job for all of us to do? There's a job for all of us to do. What's your job? If, I was, if someone came to you and said, what do you do at Grace Baptist Church? I do a wonderful job. Here is my job. I elevate the temperature of the seat. That's my key role. And, you know, and I'm very proud of the way, Lord Jesus, I give this gift to you. Warm seat. It's all yours. What is your job? What do you do? What are you going to stand before God and receive a reward for before your king, before your savior, before the one that died for you? Back to John 17. Verse 4, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work 
which thou gavest me to do. What did Jesus do? What would Jesus do? No. What did Jesus do? He glorified God. He finished the work. Look at what it says in verse 6. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me. Look at what it says in verse 8. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me. So what did Jesus do? We'll take some time and break this down in another service. What did he do? He lived the name of God. He made it plain. He manifested it. His life was the name of God. And then he gave his disciples the word or the words. What's it say? Words. Words. You see, there are a lot of Christians who say, I believe in the word of God. And it's this nebulous body of ideas. The question is, yeah, you believe in the Word of God, but do you believe the words? A lot of people believe the Bible. They just don't believe what it says. Do you believe the words, the work or the works? In Galatians, the Bible talks about not seeds, but seed. Just that one word, that one letter, it it makes a complete difference in the entire meaning of the text. If you don't believe that God has preserved every letter of every word, then you don't have the Bible in your hands. Because that little S, the difference between you standing before God for your works or your work, what if God hasn't preserved that S? What if that S isn't supposed to be there? Then we don't really know what we're going to stand before God for. Well, then I guess we better have a priest that tells us what to do in every area. You see the problem? Now look at what the Bible says. Look at verse 8. I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have what? Received them. And have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. Now, this is very important. You know, I was so thankful when I was out at... We dropped Lydia off at West Coast Baptist College. And it's such a blessing to be able to take my daughter to a place that believes what we believe about the Bible. The head of the Bible department there is a man named Rick Houck. And Brother Houck and I had about a two-hour conversation about different things in the Bible. And Jacob was there with us, and he listened to some of it. And what was so fun was I would ask him a question and he would answer it from the Bible and I'd look at Jacob and I'd say, did you hear what he said? Because he said it exactly the same way that we do. Remember what 1 Corinthians 1.10 says? I would that you speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. It's wonderful to have a Bible college that believes every word of God is true. Do you know that not every Bible college believes that? It's very interesting. In some Bible colleges, we are mocked. Imagine this. We are considered uneducated and uninformed because we believe every word of this King James Bible is true. And what I have to do is when a kid is going off to Bible college, if they're going to one of those schools, I have to bring them into my office and I have to tell them, now look, 
here's what you're going to hear. You're going to hear that we don't have every word of God. You're going to hear that they exist somewhere in all the multiplicity of translations, in all the multiplicity of Greek manuscripts, in all the multiplicity of Hebrew manuscripts. The words are there somewhere, but the purpose of higher criticism is to determine what they are, and we don't quite have them. The Unitarian Bible Society, the, the, the text that underlies all the modern translations, it's in its 28th edition right now. There's a difference. There's a difference. It's very important that you get that. So if a young person is going to Cedarville University or Liberty University, if they're going to a school like that, Christian colleges where people are saved, we're going to be in heaven together. Amen? The thing that you need to understand is they do not have the same position on the words of God that we do. And here's what I would like to say. I want somebody to, I could take you into my office right now and I could show you two or three hundred books on this subject. That if there's a professor from Liberty or Cedarville or one of these other schools that wants to call us uneducated, I'd say, just read ten of them and then come talk to me. Amen? Just read it. Why? What's the difference? I believe I have the words of God. I believe I hold the very words of God in my hands. I was on the phone with a guy, and um, he's a good brother. Um, a lot of his material has helped me. But there's a controversy about whether the words in the King James Bible are the inspired words of God. And here's the way the argument goes. Do you believe the King James translators were inspired the way the, the, the original writers were? That's the way the question goes. Well, no. But I asked him this. Do you believe that God inspired his words or the men? See, that's the issue. That's the issue. The Bible says all Bible writers are given by inspiration. Is that what the Bible says? What does it say? All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Is that what the Bible says? So what's inspired, the men or the words? The words. And so I asked him this, do you believe the words of the Bible are inspired? He said, yes. Do you believe that God has preserved his words? The Bible says in the book of Psalms, thou shalt preserve them, O Lord. Thou shalt keep them forever. They're, they're preserved. That's what the Bible says. They're preserved. Do you believe in the... I asked him, do you believe that God inspired his words? Yes. Do you believe he preserved them? Yes. I asked him this, do you believe it's, it's possible to accurately translate those words into English? He said... Yes. I said, then what are we talking about? Do you see how silly the conversation becomes? It, but it's never put that way. Somehow, they believe that the apostle Paul was inspired when he wrote it, and then God took his hands off it. We don't believe that. This is a supernatural book. God promised. He said, until I come... Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. That's what Jesus Christ said. Look at John chapter 14. Did anybody here love Jesus? Look at John chapter 14. Verse 23. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, 
He will. What's it say? Keep my words. Well, you don't. You don't really believe that you have all the words. You don't really believe that. Well, I love Jesus. I'm just going to keep them. Do you know what the opposite of keeping them is? Losing them. Do you know the the Bible gives us the opposite of keeping His words. Do you know what it is? It's denying His name. What did Jesus say? I have manifested Thy name. Is that what He said? Look at Revelation chapter 2. Let's make it Revelation 3. Look at verse 7. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy. Only God is holy, is that right? He that is true. He that hath the key of David. He that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. I know thy works. Do you see that? Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength. Doesn't that sound kind of like a left-handed compliment? You know, that's right up there where she has a good personality. Right? For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied You either keep His word or you deny His name. Those are the two options. Do you believe that you have all the words of God? If you don't, then the Bible says man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Of course, that's removed from the modern translation, so you might not have that verse. Isn't that interesting? How many of you think that's interesting? That's interesting. Here's the question. Do you believe that you have every word of God? Jesus said, I've given them the words, and they have received them. So God gave them to you. Here's the question. Are you going to receive them? Do you realize the hatred that this position brings in the world? I have the words of God. Oh, let's see if Jesus said that. Look at John chapter 17. Look at verse 14. Another, I have. I have given them thy word. Now notice this word there, words earlier. The word is the accumulation of the words. Does that make sense? Okay. I have given them thy word. And the world loves them. What's it say? And the world, what's it say? Because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Look, we have every word of God. He gave it to us. Let's just keep it. All right, so what have we learned that Jesus did? What would Jesus do? Oh, He'd feed the poor. You know, He'd, he'd heal the sick. So let's build hospitals and soup kitchens. And we can't do what Jesus did in that way. But we can do this. We can glorify God with our lives. Make Him number one. Make Him our king. Make Him our only potentate, our only wise king. We make Him 
the key, the center, right? And we can finish our work. What's our work? It's the work of the Lord. It's the work that the Lord did when He was here on earth working. What? Building up people in the foundation of Christ and the apostles through His Word. Amen? We can do that. We can have His words, and we can give them to somebody else. But look, if you don't have those words, you can't give them to somebody else. Look at, let's finish up with this. First Timothy. Uh, make it Second Timothy. Second Timothy, chapter one. The Bible says in verse thirteen, "Hold fast." Do you see that fast? Think of fastening it down. Hold fast the form of what? Sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. Drop down to chapter two, and verse two. And the things that thou hast heard of me, what things? Those sound words. Those sound words. And the things which thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. What is the work of the Lord? It's holding fast the form of sound words and then taking those words and giving them to somebody else. That's the work of the Lord. Sometimes we make things very complicated. That's not complicated. Okay, so here's the, here's the test. Anybody here that's saved? You've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. That's your foundation. Would you raise your hand? You know for sure that you're saved. Okay, now, you're, hallelujah. You're not based on your works now. Isn't that great? You're not going to stand before God for your works. That's awesome. Okay, how many of you are saved? What is your work? What is your work? How are you doing it? Are you doing it in conjunction with the New Testament church, which is God's only plan? Where are you working? And when you stand before God, will you receive rewards or will you lose rewards? How many of you, that, that's kind of a sobering question. That, that's a sobering question. It is for me. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Why do I do this work? Is I do, it to, do I do it to get a paycheck? Do I do it so people will buy my books? Do I do it so people will listen to the website? Why do I do it? Well, I hope I'm doing it to give Him glory. And I hope what I'm giving you is the words of God, not human philosophy. Amen? I hope what I'm giving you is the words of God. If I ever stop giving you the words of God, fire me. Amen? Listen, everything we do has to be based on that. What would Jesus do? You know, I'm really not sure. What did He do? I'll tell you exactly what He did. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have manifested thy name. I have given them the words. I have given them the word and the world's hated them for it. I have done that. I have. So what are we supposed to do? What he did. Amen? Let's do it. How many of you are good? Let's all stand together. How many of you say, Pastor, I'm going to think this week about how can I glorify God? How can I make him the center? How can I manifest his name? How can I make God clear through my life this week? How can I finish the work that he's given me to do? I can't die on the cross for everybody, but I can build somebody else up in the word. I can give somebody else the gospel. That's what we're supposed to do. Amen? And then we're supposed to give them the words. We're supposed to keep the words. We're supposed to build them up on those words. That's who we are. That's what we're supposed to do. I sure hope that's the definition of Grace Baptist Church. Amen? The question is, is that the definition of your life? Is that the definition of my life? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we need you so desperately.